I invite you to 1 John chapter 3. Thank you all for testifying to God's faithfulness and goodness in your lives. It's such an encouragement for us to hear how God's working, moving, speaking, leading. We're grateful. Great is your faithfulness, our God. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. 1 John 3, we're going to close up chapter 4 today and uh, just want to uh, move us forward in this. 1 John 3, 1, the first word is see. It carries the idea of behold, uh, gaze upon this, and it is a command. Isn't it interesting? So, John is commanding us to see, to, to behold, to gaze upon this. What, John? What, what, what are you calling us to behold? And here it is. How great a love the Father has for us that we will be called children of God. I, I'm commanding you as the people of God I'm commanding you to gaze upon the greatness of my love. Now, I want to say in two ways in 1 John, we're going to see the love of God. One is the love of God that is demonstrated through the cross when Jesus poured out his blood. Amen. And if you have received the forgiveness of your sins, then you're able to behold the greatness of his love towards you. Number two is the reality, and this is what chapter 3 and 4 picks up. It's not only that God has demonstrated his love by pouring out his blood, but he's demonstrating through the cross his love for us, his deep, deep love. How many of you know the depth of the love of God? Last week I was talking about us under a prayer by the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 3, 16, 17, that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus. And so look at 1 John 3, verse 16. Listen, as we, as we look at and we behold the greatness of his love for us, that he forgives our sins, and he's loved us, broken people. Here's one of the pieces that has blown me away over the years, is that the God who knows me fully loves me deeply. In other words, he knows all of our issues. He knows us with all of our warts, all of our gray hairs, all of those things that maybe we don't love about ourselves. God loves us in the midst of our sin. He loves us so deeply that he would give his son and he would forgive us our sins. And the greatness of the depth of his love, 1 John 3, 16. We know love by this. He, Jesus, laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our love, our lives for one another. First John 3, 11, behold, uh, excuse me, beloved, 
if God so loved us, we ought to now what? And so we're going to begin to see this. If God so loved us, and we're gazing upon the greatness of his love toward us, for us, in us, now it's time for us to emulate It's time for us that we would be a people, as I was talking last week, that we would love one another out of the greatness of his love for us. Is there anything that's walling up or damming up God's love in our lives? It's a serious question. Because if the greatness of his love, that he breaks through barriers to come get us, we ought to be those breaking through barriers and manifesting his love to one another. And we're going to look at that today in more in detail. Verse 12, no one has beheld God at any time. So if if God is in the height of the heavens, his son is at his right hand, yes, he came, he manifested, he went back through the ascension, back to heaven, but we don't see God with our eye, we see him with the eye of faith. And so how does God desire to manifest his love today? He manifests his love that he would be known and seen through the body of Christ. We are the extension of his love to those around us. Verse 12 again. 1 John 4, verse 12. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is what we were beginning to drive at a little last week. That God's love perfected in us is not just his love toward us. Love is perfected when we now are loving one another and manifesting his love. That is what's called perfect love. The better translation would be complete. God's love is complete or consummated when we have received his love and we're giving it out to someone A day at a time. I forgot to get this as an illustration, but I'll just share it, okay? The illustration would have been better. (laughs) I want you to think about a bowl of water. And that is the love of God, okay? Now, you ready? Now, drop a sponge. That is us. That is you. Drop a sponge into that bowl of water. And this is what God wants us to do is so soak, to so have received the love of God. Now, the second purpose of a sponge is not just to soak, but it is to, it's to squeeze that And this is the love of God that we've soaked and received is to be given away by pouring it out. By pouring it out. Squeezing that sponge and giving it away to everyone around us. 
perfect love in this context, 1 John is used five times, 1 John uh, 2, verse 5, 1 John 3, uh, 4, 12, and then verse 17 and 18 give us two more. Now, I want to give you something here, and then we're going to get real practical, okay? I want us to look at the context here. Let's read verses 17 and 18. Now, keep in mind while we're reading these verses, perfect love of God what God's love is perfected in us when we are loving one another. That is the complete love of God. 1 John 3, 7, uh, 4, 17. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment as, we, as he is, we are also in the world. Now think about this. When the love of God is complete in us because we're rightly receiving and giving his love away, we can have confidence in the day of judgment. And then verse 18, which I think we misinterpret a lot. Look, there is no fear in love. In other words, there's confidence in the coming day of judgment. No fear because perfect love, the way we're receiving and giving away God's love, it drives out fear. We don't have to have fear in future judgment. Why? Because we are filled with his love and we're giving it away day by day. When you're walking in the love of God, you ought to walk in confidence, no fear. Amen. God help us, because fear involves punishment of a future judgment, but the one who fears is not perfected in love. And so to have God's love perfected in us, complete in us, is not only to receive like soaking water in a sponge, but also squeezing it out and giving away the love of God to those around us that his love is manifest through the body of Christ and others are able to actually receive from God through the body of Christ. Now, how does this begin to show up? Oh, God, help us. So we're not going to, we're going to begin looking at sacrificial love. We've talked about it quite a bit, 1 John 3, 16. We know love by this, and he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. In other words, we are to emulate Jesus' sacrificial love of laying down his life for us. We now ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, for one another. All right. Oh, maybe we just go here today, and we'll be we'll be simple. I got I got a number of things, but let's just let's just go here. Let's go to Matthew five. I believe John is partially drawing from this text when he's writing what he's writing in First John. So I want us to look at this. It's really interesting that the same he's using the same word that Jesus is using right here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 48. How many of you have ever been reading this verse and like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Let's look at it in its context. And we'll just use this as a, uh, a really a practical piece of walking out the love of God. Matthew 5, 48. 
Therefore, you shall be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, this word perfect is the same Greek word that's used in 1 John. So what does it mean? You are to be complete as your Father is complete. The idea is maturity. In other words, God has said, Jesus is saying this to us. I want you to be complete and mature the way the Father is complete and mature. And you're like, well, what is he saying in the context of the way that he wants us to grow up in perfect, mature, completeness the way the Father is? It starts back, let's go back, 543. Five, Matthew 543. We're going to read the context and just make a point here. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, and he's quoting Leviticus 19, and hate your enemy. Verse 44, but I say to you, ooh, now this is when love's going to get real, right? I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven... He causes the sun to rise on the evil and good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. But for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Even the Gentiles or the tax gatherers do the same. If you greet your brothers only, verse 40, 47, and, do no, and you do, uh, do you more than others, <clears throat> do not even the Gentiles do the same. And so what he's saying is, I want you to have a love that's deeper and higher than just having love for those who love you. Doesn't it feel good when you're loved by family? <laughs> Doesn't it feel good when you're, you feel like even in the body of Christ, everything's clicking and jiving, everybody's getting along, there's unity and love in the body, amen. But when love now is being required to step up to the plate because there's conflict, help us, Holy Spirit. And this is now complete love is not just loving our neighbor, not just loving our brother. It's also now loving our enemies, loving those who persecute us. And it's going to take the Holy Spirit to walk in love when you've been hurt, when you've been treated unfairly. But this is, again, complete, mature love is when we are loving the way Jesus loved. Now, let's go back to verse 45. He says, I, 44, I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You've, some of you have heard me say this before, but there's a Greek word for children of God. It's the Greek word technon. Then there's a Greek word for sons, and it's the Greek word weos. Here's the distinction. You can be a child of God, but not a son or a daughter. Now, here's why. Because sons and daughters are those that are maturing in God. See, you can be a child of God under the blood, but we're not mature in love. And mature in love are those who are becoming sons and daughters of God. 
The sons are those who are maturing in such a way that we love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us. We don't let that darkness penetrate. We don't let the enemy exploit in us places where God wants his love to dwell and abide. He wants us walking in the depths of his love toward one another. How do we do this? Well, we know it's going to take the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. Love your enemies. Usually in the context, it's those who are coming against us because of righteousness. Back to chap in, earlier in chapter 5. How many of you feel like there's a sense of enemy or conflict or even some sense of, uh, when, when we have conflict around us, we call it persecution, and yet persecution is on the basis of righteousness because we're doing those things that are right and someone's coming against, persecuting, whatever. But the bottom line is this, that we would love our enemies and we would pray for those who are persecuting us. When's the last time that we prayed for an individual? Not that we love because they're part of our family and we pray a covering over them. Amen. But praying seriously for those who are persecuting, even enemies who are coming against us. One of the reasons we pray for those who persecute us is to keep our own heart in check. You understand this? Yeah, we're praying for them, but actually when we pray for those who are persecuting us, it's so that we can have love for them and not be ready to knock them out. It's really, really right. So here's the issue. God allows enemies and persecutions and conflicts and tribulations, hardships, sufferings. He allows these things so that we can manifest his love toward them when they're looking for conflict back we actually give them love in return it blows their minds because it's going to take a work of heaven to release that kind of love by the holy spirit and now they're encountered by an opposite spirit that's what we're talking about. When we move in a different spirit, then they're moving against us. Light now, love now is manifesting in the darkness. It's really, really important. Okay, our last context, uh, Luke 6. Let's see how Jesus said it. And Luke, Luke brought, it's, it's Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 through 7. Luke gives us a little different perspective. Let's look at this. Oh, help us, Lord. But here's the point, guys. If we have been soaking in the love of God and the depths and the heights of his love for us, and we're rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus and have so received the love of God, here's Christian maturity and a mark that distinguishes us as his people, that we give that love away. How do you do that? Well, we need a lot of the cross 
dying to ourselves, and we need Lord to hold every bit of the Holy Spirit to produce this in us, right? All right, Luke 6, 27. Now, Luke is just simply going to take that phrase, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and he's going to give a little more flavor and language to it. I'll just read. Thank you, Jeff. Luke 6, 27. I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Do you, know, do you notice the action? The action of love toward our enemies. Do good to those who hate us. Do good to them. They have treated me. They have hated me. And he's saying, do good back. Again, we're moving in an opposite spirit. But this is the maturity. It is a distinguishing mark of followers of the, and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, verse 28. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Watch this. Bless those who curse you. Oh, no. You know, those who curse us, we get out our Christian cuss words, right? What are, what are they? I don't know, you know, but we have, we, we, we have crap instead of, y'all know what I'm saying? We use Christian cuss words, but in our hearts, we're not blessing them. In some sense, we're cursing. I'm telling you, yeah, just get real, okay? The left in this country drives me bonkers. Whatever you think about that. But the radicalization of America is just, oh, God. And, man, $5 gas. You know, you got all that going on, and you're just like, ah, I want to just, mm, right? Bless those who curse you. How God, 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 you're going to help us, Lord. Pray for those who mistreat you. Oh, you know, when we've been mistreated, we take a wound, it was unfair, and we live in that mistreatment for years, and yet he says, pray for those who have mistreated you so that we don't allow a place for the enemy to exploit darkness in us when we've been mistreated. Help us, God. Look at verse 29. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt either. Let's keep going. 30. Give to everyone who asks of you, even that dude down hanging out at the post office. And he just wants something, right? God help us. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. 31. You know what he says here now? He quotes, this is what we have gathered as what's called the golden rule. You remember this? This is also found in Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 12. Treat others the same way that you want them to treat you. We could just stop right there and say, this is a summary. Actually, Jesus said this. This is a summary of the law and the prophets. All of the Old Testament, Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, rest right here. Treat others the way that you want them to treat you. They may not treat you that way, but he's saying you take action. Love your enemies. Do good. Pray for them. Bless them. Do unto others the way that you want them to do unto you. That is just a great, quote, golden rule to live by. And this is a way that the love of God is manifest through us 
Love is perfected in us when we rightly are loving one another and our enemies. Help us, Lord. Let's just pause for a moment. I'm going to read Luke 6.35. Love your enemies, do good, and lend. Expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High. For He, the Most High, He is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. The Most High is kind to ungrateful and the evil. Father, here's what we're asking of you today. The way that you have shown us kindness, that we will be kind to those around us who are ungrateful and even evil. Father, I'm reminded of that Romans 2, 4, that it is your kindness toward us that leads to repentance. And God, we ask that your kindness toward us that brought us into repentance to turn from our sins and turn to the most high God, that your kindness will so touch us that we will be kind to the ungrateful the evil, even enemies around us. God, we want to be like you. We want to be filled with love and filled with kindness, that it will be a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the way that we are kind and loving and praying for those around us. Oh, God, help us. If there's a, if wor- if there's a worship team, worship song, I want to I open the altar today. It's a very simple word, isn't it? But it's a very hard and difficult word. Maybe there's some among us, and again, I'm a, we're just opening up this altar. Maybe you desire to come and just lay down a burden. Or maybe you come to the front row and you need and desire prayer for yourself today. Here's, here's our our prayer target today. Father, many days we're not kind like you are and we're not loving like you are. And yet this is a distinctive mark of maturity as the body of Christ. I want to be filled with your kindness, God. Father, I want to be filled with your grace. I want to be filled with your love afresh. 
that I'm emulating the love of Jesus. Father, that we're emulating your kindness toward those around us. God, we're coming to the altar fresh today to say, God, fill us with your kindness. Fill us with your grace. Fill us with your love again, God, that we would rightly demonstrate and manifest your kindness and your love to those around us. God, we want your love to go into hard places and you would take, Lord, those hard hearts and make them soft and pliable by the way, God, that we walk in your love and your kindness toward one another and toward our enemies. Maybe... We need to bring someone to prayer this morning. Seriously, all the way from the front to the back. Maybe there's a few just need to come at the altar and we say this today. God, there's, there's someone that's been wearing me out. They're in my family. They're in my neighborhood. They're on my job. They're at the ball game. They're at church. God, there's someone that keeps wearing me out, God. And Father, I know that I need to pray for them. And I'm coming, God, this day, God, to put a stake in the ground. I'm going to walk in kindness. I'm going to walk in your love. And God, I'm going to pray for those who have been my enemies and who have persecuted me, those that I have issues with. My God, I ask you to come and align me again. Align my heart today that I would walk in your love, that I would walk in your kindness. Come on, beloved. We need to bring our own hearts and bring maybe someone else that we're praying for. Bring them to the altar today. Lay them down. Ask for forgiveness. Receive forgiveness under the blood. Ask for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit that we can walk in love and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Oh, help us, God. Help us, Lord. Let's stand together. We're going to worship. This is an invitation. Fill us with kindness, Father. Fill us with love, Lord Jesus. Fill us up, Holy Spirit, again, that we would be rightly, Lord, we would walk rightly before those around us. Help us, God.